with us tonight on the final score. Guys, you know we have, we have been big on ACC basketball here lately. I've done a lot of NC State interviews. Uh, Rodney Monroe, Chris Corciani, uh, Chucky Brown, uh, Quentin Jackson, Oshawa Benjamin, just to name a few of them. With us tonight on the final score, uh, one of those guys, one of the most talented NC State players out there that you see, and he came came from a, a unheralded freshman to to leading the ACC in scoring his senior year. Went on to have a, a pretty successful NBA career. And talking about with us tonight is Mr. Todd Fuller. Welcome to the show, Mr. Fuller. Thanks so much, Stevie. It's great to be with you this evening. Yeah. You know, I've talked to a lot of NC State guys, and, uh, you know, it's just, and I tell them all, it's just, it, I'm, a, I'm a Carolina fan, and I, I tell them, don't hang up on me, I'm a Carolina fan, but, you know, I was, I'm an ACC basketball fan. Before we started the interview, I, I would, we would talk a little bit about how the ACC in that era you were in, even the 80s and the 90s, was probably the best era of basketball, and and the ACC was the cream of the crop. I, I'm sure you agree with that. Definitely, the ACC. When I looked going way back, coming to high school, was always then, and it is now, in my view, looked at as the premier conference in college basketball. I was felt fortunate then, and like I do now to have participated in playing such a great conference for basketball. Definitely, definitely. Now, I asked some of these guys, uh, the guys in, in past interviews about this, and it was a shame we didn't get to see how March Madness would turn out. But this year, you know, I felt like with the one-and-dones had caught up with, with NCAA basketball. And I'm not saying it in a bad way because I know these guys, you know, you're, you're going to – you're playing college basketball to try to get to the NBA and if you can get it, get the money, if the money's out there, go get it. But one of the things that's different from back then to now, the one-and-dones, and, and I think this year, if any year, was the best year for a mid-major, somebody like a, a Dayton or a San Diego State, somebody like that, it was the best year for one of them to win an NCAA championship. I, what do you think about that? I think you're definitely on something when I took college basketball this season, especially heading into the final weeks of the regular season. You really didn't have a dominant standout team in college basketball, as you say, with your favorite team, the Tar Heels, back in, what was it, 1993? Yeah. Eric Montrose just rolled through the tournament. That didn't exist. You had a lot of teams who were certainly capable of winning it, and it View would have been a really exciting 2020 tournament if it stood, but unfortunately, we know that didn't happen. Yeah, and I, I, I was really, I was really going to put put uh, put all my cards on Dayton this year. I think they had a, they had a pretty good team. But uh, growing up, you grew up in uh, Charlotte. You were, I'm sure, you were a basketball fan. Who did you pull for when you were growing up? Well, if I had to be honest, I, I might have seen few of your listeners <laughs> um, no, or make them happy. Um, I was a big Duke fan growing up. Wow. In fact, uh, it's far 
back is uh, I'm sitting here reminiscing is that I could think and primarily that was because I was just intended with Mike Krzyzewski and Christian Leitner and that championship run that they made back in the 90s um, I did pull NC State be honest, I was an, anybody, an ABC fan, anybody but Carolina. <laughs> um, so I was always pulling for Duke. Um, definitely pulled for State when they were playing Carolina. I really, to be honest, couldn't remember if State played Duke, who I rooted for. Then I had no clue that I would be playing for the Wolfpack at that time. Right. So was there any, you went to Charlotte Christian. Was there any other sports that you played besides basketball there? At Charlotte Christian, no, I did. I transferred from Independence High School. Okay. I uh, attended Independence High School for two years, part of Mecklenburg Public Schools, as many of your listeners may know. And I, of course, did basketball there. I also did track and field one season. Uh, um, that was to just help my basketball game, or so ends the theory, as they say. I did high jump. And, and nobody ever accused me of having a, a vertical jump, but that's <laughs> probably precisely why I was encouraged to just try it. So I got into high jump and, and tried that as a way to, if I could improve my athleticism or explosiveness, and obviously I didn't go on to become some kind of track field star, but <laughs> I was fortunate that things worked out in basketball, so I can look back and say you know, trying track and field didn't hurt. And I did other things too, you know, during um, the school day in high school, uh, tennis. I was pretty avid tennis player, although I, and today I am too, although I never played on a high school tennis team. Right. So, when did you know basketball was going to take you to that next level? That was going to be what got, I mean, you were going to play, you thought you had a good idea that you were going to play in college. Well, that's a big question. I always dreamed about it, no doubt about it, going way back to childhood days. And I, this was one of those players who just sat a little bit day by day as I got older and more into the sport. But I was always considered a project, really. You know, when I, even when I bought the MCC my freshman year, nobody thought that I was going to turn out to much and was considered one of those man, big men who was a, a, a project. And I was just fortunate to, to work with my coaches, that, the assistants and other staff that worked with me a little bit day by day. And I'd say by the time the uh, start, uh, at the middle of my junior year is when realization hit that, you know, hey, this could become reality. Um, it was about, like I said, about the middle of my junior year at the State. Okay. Okay. Favorite favorite memory in high school, or favorite game, or game that you that always stands out with you from high school. Oh, from high school, um, a couple of good ones come to mind. One of them is uh, we were playing that Charlotte Crick, and Bobby Jones was my coach. It was a great experience, by the I, way, playing under yeah, him. Yeah, you're ready to say. Yeah, even the Carroll guys, you know, just a great person. Coach. Anyway, we were uh, playing a conference game against a school called Charlotte Country Day. It then, and 
is today one of the top, I think, three or four largest private schools in the state. And we were playing at Country Day. Um, it was a Friday night, and they were beating us, beating us pretty solidly in the first half. And the second half came around, hit a lot, and we chipped away. And, and given they had such a big lead, nobody thought we would have come back. But, you know, we kept working as team, and the, for me, the just kept dropping in. I, I, it felt just surreal after taking, you know, how many umpteen, their shot, and you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm one of these math guys, so it's not hard for me to keep in my head how, how many shots I've taken or how many rebounds I've gotten to a point. Right. You know, and 15, <laughs> but that night, it, it, I, I think I, I lost mental count somewhere around 10 jump shots long before <laughs> the final ended. And my excitement, we were, we were thrilled. We won the game. It was a close finish. We pulled it out. And then there was a game was over, we got back to the locker room and um, the, the coaching staff said, look, you had I think 47 points or something like that. It was wow. close to 50 points. And over 10, re- I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it. So it was a great win first and foremost that our team would have pulled that one out. The big conference game, to have that kind of level of personal performance it was just amazing um, to see that. In fact, in the side note, uh, Charlotte Christian just had what was called Bobby Jones Night at Charlotte Christian School just a couple of months ago. Friday night, they had a home basketball game. They invited a ton of former alumni who played under him to come back, and it was basically a night honor Bobby Jones at at uh, between the girls' varsity game and the start of the boys' varsity game, and got the course talk to Coach Jones and I on then still call him to this day and many other teammates, other guys that played under him and other people. Those I walked to the front of the gym they had like a superlatives wall and of course Stephen Curry is dominating a lot of that. And, right. <laughs> um but I look up here and my most points in the game is still stands at forty seven or whatever it was against Country Day that night. <laughs> One of the couple of superlatives I had of Charlotte <laughs> they kind of just tickled me when you look at a player like Stephen Curry, who yeah, yeah, ended up coming after me and and, and set some records that Christian himself. He still didn't eclipse the forty-seven points in one game record. Still got one over. <laughs> he still got one over the league. Yeah, I'm a yeah. big, I'm a big Bobby Jones fan. I mean, even you know, of course, from Carolina, but you know, remember he was such a great six man coming off the bench for those great Philadelphia 76ers teams with Julius Irvin, Moses Malone, Andrew Toney, Maurice Cheeks. Uh, the, many a summer night watched him uh, against the Celtics and the Lakers. Uh, gosh, he was, he was such a great player, big fan of Bobby Jones. Though. That, he, he was really great. Uh, so what schools were after you to come play? I know, of course, NC State, but what other schools had approached you about coming to play basketball for them? That's a great question. And the first school that ever came after me was William and Mary. Um, I first got that letter and called. I took the letter, opened it up, and took a piece of tape and taped it on the front door. So my dad came home from he could see it. <laughs> I was just so proud. Of that letter it was probably my sophomore or junior year at high school. I was still independent. That hadn't transferred to Charlotte Christian. 
But by the time we went through the principles that it boiled down to the Charlotte, as many of your listeners know, um, the Naval Academy, Virginia Tech, of course, NC State, and I gave you four. There was the fifth one in there, as I recall. Uh, I think it was, I think it was Wake Forest. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. So definitely five. I took official visits to Virginia Tech. I remember Bobby Hussey was the coach up there in the Naval Academy. I took an official visit to the Naval Academy. And that was a memorable weekend for no other reason. Well, for many reasons. Just seeing the Naval Academy and seeing the impressive place that is, what it stands for in their dining hall, that was an amazing experience. But that was an alumni week, the weekend I went to the Naval Academy. And David Robinson. Oh, wow. So I got to, that was, he was like one of my idols that I worshipped, um, among other players, uh, read his book, and he there that weekend. That was so cool, seeing him. So anyway, Naval Academy was an official visit, Virginia Tech, David's, of course, NC State, and, uh, we wafer. So yeah, those five were, were, would be, a collegiate landscape boiled down to as, uh, heading into high school. So what 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 was the thing that made you pick NC State? I tell you, within State, a couple of things. Well, I really, and to this day, when you look at somebody like Les Robinson, you really then more so now, to be honest with you, value um, his leadership style, his ability to motivate. Like some Bobby Jones to motivate players to get things done without into them and stuff like that. I, I really just took the, him and his coaching staff during my official visit. I also knew from a personal standpoint that my brain is wired towards the, the STEM side of things, math, science, that sort of thing. Right. And NC State, obviously known for that. The engineering school and physical mathematical sciences, computer science, all that stuff. I knew I would get into something, a field of that sort. And of course, the allure of the ACC. Um, those were three of the primary factors. Of course, back then I was a big time homebody. <laughs> Charlotte was home, and yeah. and frankly, at the time Raleigh seemed far away, but not like that far away. So those those were. If you had the fairly, fairly close proximity to home thing, the four, those are the four major factors that encouraged me to pick NC State. So what was your first impressions at NC State campus when you got there? Big. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that was, you know, 25, 20 years ago. And, you know, the funny thing is I went back there as a student, second graduate flat. It was not an online program it was in person and I thought it was big then and of course with the Centennial campus as as big bigger than Central campus it's huge but you know the size certainly struck struck me all the red brick uh, I think they've changed a little bit there's a little bit more color and flavor but still a lot of red brick certainly a lot of red brick then um, and I just I, I like campus you know it's a good feel basically the campus then, which is now called Central Campus, some people call it Main Campus, it, it, it's easy to 
wow, it's one big rectangle, basically. Um, and I kind of like that. You had a road to the south, a road to the north, you know, western Boulevard, Hillsboro, pull on the east. Uh, where the Case Avenue in the West, you kind of it was it was an easy campus to figure out, even though it was large. Yeah. So we talked a little bit. You talked a little bit about Les Robinson. What was it like playing for Coach Robinson? To me, it was it was great. I, I really one of the best that I played under any level. I would I would say the likes of Les Robinson and Bobby Jones. He. Like I said previously, he, he had a way of motivating, and, and I can't, I mean, every player's got their style, not their preference, but he motivated me. He he had a way of speaking to the team, and you got to keep in mind that he, when he came in, yeah. he came right in on a fan tale of Jim Valvano. Yeah. And everybody knows, you know, the Jim Valvano, the 83 championship team. He, he did a lot of great things, but unfortunately, we learned about, and he left of the recruiting stuff and what a lot of people or some people may forget is that Robinson inherited the punishment not only from the NCAA but also the university itself added its own set of punishment on to the NCAA sanctions it more or less Coach Robinson inherited all those and he was still able to get competitive team together and me I was fortunate in many ways because he was restricted to in-state recruiting. Only, let's just imagine that today's basketball oh, yeah. TV. If you, can you imagine a coach being told that you could only recruit in one state? Yeah, and you I know, mean, I gained I gained a lot of respect for those teams that state had back then because, and I, you know, talking to talking to Oswald Benjamin uh, about you know that situation, I said, you know. If you guys weren't playing Carolina, I was pulling for you. I was opposite of, you, of what you did. If you guys weren't playing Carolina, I was pulling for you because you know you guys gained a lot of respect for for being you know some of the teams after you too. So some of the teams with you for for what you guys did on a, a limited limited squad. I mean, because you, you guys had heart and and you. Every every night you guys put put your best effort out there, and uh, some nights you snuck up on some folks, and we're, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Coach Robinson, I have nothing but the utmost respect for because, like you said, following a guy like Valvano for one thing, following Valvano is it, is going to be tough anyway. But you put that situation on top of it, and man, you know, the guy had to had to be a great person. Had to had to just have. So much, so much willpower and ability to to pull something off like that to be as successful as he was at state after inheriting that that punishment, like you said. Yeah, all great points, and like I said, when I look back twenty five years ago, that that time period, and just just amazed by what he was able to do. And you mentioned Oshawa, and Oshawa came a year or two after me, and. By the way, is just a terrific point guard. His ability to pass, yeah. and score, and to play defense. But, you know, Coach Robinson was able to get a player like him with all the restrictions. And by the time my senior year came around, I think it was Oshawa's senior year, we we just 
we were that close to really making the NCAA tournament in the sense that we had to kick ourselves that we had some room to win my junior and senior year. Yes, yes, of course, we lost a lot of games. We, we lost, like, I think eight games a combined total of 24 points. Yeah. And one of those, you look back and we lost to Duke. Uh, Chris Collins hit a fadeaway three in a deep corner that the front of the rim bounced up two or three times and fell in. I think games like that, you look back and wonder. There's an old saying that um, things often hinge on small affairs. Um, <laughs> and you look back and see all of what Coach Robinson had to go through, and we were that close to a, a bucket here, a bucket there, winning a good chunk of those eight games that we lost. And who knows? It could have made the in-play tournament, perhaps. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so. You guys played four overtime games your senior year. I mean. There you go. Four uh, overtime. You lost at Maryland, lost by three. At Virginia, against Virginia at Reynolds, you lost by two. At Duke, like you were talking about, lost by three. And then at Georgia Tech, lost by nine in overtime. But four overtime games a year, that's pretty, that's a lot of, and then just looking at the scores here, uh, in the other game against Duke at, at Reynolds, you lose by one. I mean, you guys lost to Wake Forest, who was number 12 at the time, by four. You guys could have very easily, you know, instead of going 15 to 16, could have been, you know, 19 and 12 or 20 and 11, something like that, and made the NCAA tournament. You were that close to doing it. There you go. Yeah, that's that's just the way it is, though. Talk a little bit about the first the first game you come out at Reynolds. What was the feeling like? You know, you're playing college basketball, playing in the ACC. You come out and playing for NC State at Reynolds College. The and, and I'll say this about Reynolds, and we'll talk a little bit about that lately. I loved Reynolds Coliseum. I loved the such a great home court advantage. The the noise meter was great because the crowd was so always loud there. And then the heat in there, man, it was so hot in there. That was a definite home court advantage for you for you guys. Uh, what was it like that first time coming out in an NC State uniform? Oh, I love it. the first time and every time were just wonderful. And I say that now in the backdrop of having played hundreds of games professionally in 30 different countries around the world in the NBA, and I still love around Coliseum. That first game, I certainly remember, I believe we played UNC Wilmington, one of the, or other than the, uh, other than the uh, exhibition yeah. game. I think it may have been, you, you may know better than me, Stevie. I don't know, I was just hyped. I mean, just excited as can be being a freshman in the first collegiate game ever home against whoever it was. It was UNC Wilmington. You're right. It was UNC yeah. Wilmington. Yeah, oh, I remember. My memory's serving me well tonight. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, now, keep in mind, that was that game was a interesting backdrop because we started all hyped, but the question was, you know, where was Tony Robinson? Um, we were missing a play that started it and then um, found out after the game what had happened to him. So that was another crazy nuance of the collegiate career, more than a nuance, just a sad situation. But at the start of the game, it, it just Reynolds had its own electricity to it. And I don't think it's 
like you said, there was the building was always warm, if not hot. And as a player, I, as a big man, I like that. So I got older in my career, there were times I would start a pro game, and I would be thinking, "Gosh, can they turn the heat up? I'm having a hard time getting loose here." None of that exists, at Reynolds. I'm no. always ready to play every game at Reynolds. Yeah, Reynolds was was just an iconic place to play, and I know. And I've said this, and I've talked with all the NC, all the NC State guys that I've interviewed that that played at Reynolds. And I know college basketball now is about putting butts in the seat, selling tickets. But man, I just think it was they gave up such a great home court advantage when they got out of Reynolds. I, I just, I just, you know, even at, I mean, when Carolina, I used to dread when Carolina would go over there and play it. Because you knew that crowd, that crowd was going to give give NC State ten points right there, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're on to something. Yeah, and I just, I just, and I'm not, and not like I said, nothing against the the big arenas and all that stuff. But man, you look at Cameron, Cameron now, and and Chucky Brown made a comment in my interview with him that the the Reynolds Coliseum fans talk to Cameron crazies everything they know. So, uh, he, <laughs> yeah, so playing in that ACC competition, I mean, you, you play, you talk about some of the, some of the greats that went on the NBA, you played against Carter, you played against Jameson, you played against Tim Duncan, uh, I mean, among others, I mean, what, what was it like every night? Cause there was not a, a night off in the ACC by, for any team with that kind of competition. What was it like doing that every night? It was just part of it. And the ACC is a great conference, and every night it's always talent. There was an off night against an ACC team. And to be honest with you, I don't think anybody imagined that a lot of these ACC players, we knew they were a lot of very talented, very good players who were going to have good, NBA careers, but I remember in, in my senior year back '95, they write newspaper articles about Tim Duncan. Yeah, he'll keep going to the NBA, but how will, will start? You know, will he that good? He's now a Hall of Famer. Yeah, well, about to become a Hall about of Famer. To and yeah, so and as one of the neatest stories ever, I think about Tim Duncan as it relates to me that. I look back and chuckle on, by the way, I'll share it to you later in the call. Look at, you know, Duncan and Rasheed Wallace and Eric Montreux. I mean, of course, get big man. Of course, there's plenty of guards, but oh, yeah. the I played was down low. Every, every team had somebody that could hurt you and, and, and beat you at any given night. That's just the way it was. Yeah, it did. Talking about uh, a big guy that that you uh, came in, I think your first year might have been his, might have been his junior year, and Kevin Thompson. What was it like playing with Kevin Thompson? Kevin, year ahead of me. Um, I came in as a freshman, and he. Well, you might, but yeah, I think say two years, maybe or I think three it was years. Two years. I think it was two or three. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, two or three. Yeah, he, he was my tutor. Um, he's the guy who taught me about ACC basketball in the center position. Um, my freshman year and sophomore year, sure. And 
he, I remember this, I years later ran up against him in the pros. I had several years BA and went off to Europe to play. He already played a year or two in Spain and, and, uh, played against him, um, professionally game. It was in Spain. I was playing for a team in one part of Spain and he was playing for a team based in the city in the north and, uh, Verona was the name of the team that, that he played for. And it was just really a surreal experience playing against someone like who very good player that I looked up to as my tutor. Yet, 15, 15 years later, I'm facing off against him in a pro game 4,000 miles away. <laughs> he taught me a lot about just his skill set and being able to use both hands around the basket about defensively being a better defensive player, which is really important as a big man, developing defensive skill set. There are so many little things that he pointed, he, he, he provided to me as pointers while I was at NC State. Yeah, and uh, talk a little bit about that that first, the freshman year going to the ACC tournament for the first time, that atmosphere, that, that ACC tournament. I know there had to be, Kind of crazy for 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 your first time. Certainly, it, it certainly was much like kind of like playing my first home game at Reynolds, yeah. going into the first ACC tournament ever. A lot of excitement, a lot of you know what's gonna what's gonna happen here. I, of course, the usual jitters of, of how, how I'm gonna perform. What, what are we gonna do, team? We're gonna get our best, but really, it just. When you look at the elite level of conference that ACC is, and then you're in the tournament, it's it's almost like a rare season to the extent that any on any given night one team could beat another team. But it's 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 like one of their season of of in itself. It's ACC tournament. It, it's in many respects the the regular season is kind of like window dressing to some extent for the. ACC tournament um, and how well you can do, and, and of course some of that is window dressing a lot to many on how you can position yourself for a possible NCAA bid. So sophomore year, let's go. But go to that. You guys go eleven nineteen. You up your average to eleven point eight points a game. But I got to talk about this because I used to I used to get the old. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at one right now. The old ACC handbooks, the basketball handbooks, where they had magazines and everything that were, you didn't have the internet, you could look up everything on. And I could not go in ACC season without having one of these handbooks. But one of the things I always looked at when I looked at the schedule, early on, there was going to be an ACC team that played in Hawaii. There was going to be one that played in Alaska. And you guys played in Alaska that year. What was it like? going over there and playing in that tournament in Alaska. I remember that. And we played a lot there early in my career and then we went to Hawaii yeah. a year later. So I was fortunate to experience both. Alaska, that was a Thanksgiving trip, the Great Alaska Shootout. That's right. Um, Anchorage. And it, of course, it was incredibly cold. I remember that, but it was beautiful. Just snow everywhere. Um we arrived, that's all you saw, and then, of course, we uh, participated in, in, in the, ba- the basketball part, 
it was um it was at that point to me it was like man this is cool i'm traveling all the way across the country but have to cross the planet it feels like to, to play in a basketball tournament that's just something of course when you're 19 20 years old you just don't think of those things just a year or three prior when you're in high school and here i am you know a year two out of, out of high school in a tournament in Alaska, the ninth or fiftieth state of the union, and here we are. Um, that just when you mention Alaska, a little bit just flashed through my mind, just from playing the Great Alaska Shootout on the court memories, and then off the court memories where we still during class. I mean, this we went four thousand miles to play a, a few games. And there was a couple of days of events. People still had some classes we had to keep up with. So I remember what's flashing through my mind is some of the study sessions or tut- I had a couple of one or two tutoring sessions with our statistician on the team was John, Dr. John Griggs, a friend of mine who just retired as NC State's head statistician a year ago. Um, actually retired from being a faculty professor. But I remember here the ten or two we were way up there in the Alaska sitting in a hotel room on a night between two games and he's giving me some tutoring on calculus because he actually gave me one of my calculus courses. So just little things like that come to mind and you think like, Wow, that that kinda really happened. <laughs> um and then little images of we had some time between games and then I'm standing outside of the hotel just kinda hanging out and Coach Robinson stepped out of the hotel with his wife Barbara, and they started to take a stroll through the, the streets of Anchorage. And just you realize, like, wow, it, life goes on. You're four thousand miles away in the frozen tundra. <laughs> so that, that experience was. <laughs> there's just some little things into that experience, not just on the hardwood. Right. Right. And- Talk a little bit about, we, you know, being a Carolina fan, i got to ask you, that Carolina rivalry, because, you know, of course, when when Carolina came to town or when NC State would come to Chapel Hill, the crowds were always pumped up for it, especially back then. Uh, the rivalry kind of drifted off to, to the Duke rivalry now. Uh, but back then, the state rivalry and the Carolina rivalry, maybe not as intense as it was in the 80s, but there was still, with the Reynolds crowd, too, there was still a lot of, you know, people were, were really up for that game. How intense was that Carolina rivalry back then? Very intense. And I'll tell you, one of the only times I ever made Robinson met, to look back on my career, may have been when I was a freshman. It was in my career, and we did play Carolina. And a reporter came up and asked me, what do you think about this? And I, and I, I basically said something like, it's just another game. And I'm going to be ready. I'm going to do all I can to be as ready like any other game. Well, I remember Coach Robinson like that because uh-huh. he was like, no, there's, there's ACC basketball and the rest of the game's good. And then there's a nice play Carolina. <laughs> yeah, you put you so, some bulletin board material I, there. Yeah, I, he didn't call me out by name. He was never that person. He, he said Todd said this, and he never would correct you, ever man you in person in front of the rest of the team. But it, 
to me clearly that he was re- kind of referring to. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't blame it. I, it was kind of fun, just kind of, I got deep in my career really at NC State. The, the, um, I mean, the passion and, and, and just the, the good, hard competitiveness, good, hard, fun type of competitiveness that comes out of a rivalry developed even more, really, as I went to my, during my third and fourth year yeah. in the state. Um, and things have changed a little bit. You know, ACC has gotten a lot bigger. Yeah. Uh, you don't have 18 with most of them in, in state. And... The intensity of the rivalry between State and Carolina, it the same, but it's still there. I mean, there's no doubt. Oh yeah, it's still there. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's just same not like it was back then. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the whole, you know, of course, back then, and the same thing with Duke, Carolina. Back then, didn't matter how bad one team was or another. You you had to you had to be on your best, playing your best when it was State and Carolina. I think the whole it kind of went, for me, I go back to the Reynolds thing. I, it, it lost a little bit of luster when they got out of Reynolds. And I just, I, I, and I'm at a, I, I just think that some of, some of the state games, and I know they've changed Reynolds around now. I still think some of the ACC regular season games, I'm not talking about all of them, I'm not talking about half of them, maybe, maybe three or four of those games need to be played at Reynolds. Maybe the Carolina game needs to be played at Reynolds. And I know they would say, well, we can't, we can sell more tickets with the Carolina game, but give them that, give state that home court advantage again, like they did when it was Reynolds. I mean, I would love to see state Carolina at Reynolds again. Well, I think I may have to agree with you on, for another reason than the fact that we <laughs> this past year, Carolina had an off year and, State had a pretty good year. In fact, some would say they were starting to peak heading yeah. into the ACC tournament, but they couldn't beat Carolina either time. Yeah. So maybe they should have played him at Reynolds. <laughs> I, I still, I'm still, I'm saying, I am an old school to ACC basketball fan. I'm telling you, I liked it. I liked the ACC tournament when it was eight teams. It started on Friday at twelve o'clock and ended Sunday afternoon. Yeah. That was that was what I loved about ACC basketball, and I'm not saying I don't like ACC basketball now, but that was just my favorite era right there when when we had just 18. Yep. You know, maybe the Florida State when Florida State came in, that was okay, but you know, it's it's kind of yep. the bigger it's got, the more that I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just I've just preferred the the old school ACC to me. So yeah, talk a little. Talk a little bit about your team, some of your teammates here. Uh, I've got three of them. I'm going to talk about. See what your what your feelings about playing with them. Lakeista McCullough, that's a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot with State. But I remember how dangerous of a shooter he was, and you he could he could kill you with some of those threes. Certainly, and Lakeista won some big games. If anybody like yourself is into the college basketball, he was pivotal in, in uh, having a big win at Carolina. Ah, uh, yeah. For example, when, when yeah, when I think Carolina was number one ranked. They were number they one were, at Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. I think Lakeista, I recall him having like 24 points or something like that. He had a big night. Um, yeah, it, it, that was all, I want to say all, of course, there was a team win, but Lakeista was 
Dominic Hall again. He just his athleticism and his ability that night, his ability to knock down shots, really just put us over the edge. Yeah, he, he kept he kept lead he kept that lead because I think you guys ended up winning by ten, but he kept that lead ahead. He had some key shots to keep you guys in the lead when Carolina would try to nip at it a little bit. Uh, you talked a little bit about Oshawa Benjamin. What was it like playing with him? That was a great experience. We saw Oshawa earlier in the in the call here. Um, Oshawa, of course, he was from Concord, just north in Charlotte. Oshawa did a terrific job. Just, I, I remember, you know, Coach Ramos to me, he was freshman, and I knew I was going back home to Charlotte the weekend. I said, hey, Todd, Oshawa's, he wants to go home and, you know, I came with the staff. Can you give him a ride? And then I said, sure. So we, we sat in the car for two and a half hours riding back from uh, Concord and back that one week. And then I got to know for quite a bit, probably more from that car ride um, than over the course of the month. You know, it was in the middle of the season, you're on the court, you know, competing or you know, not on the court. You're not sitting in a car beside each other for several hours. I should really realize his mentality um, really was a big plus. A lot of people don't see that in you know, players. Just, they see what they can do off court. Can they shoot? Can they dunk? You know, can they? But Oshawa had had a had a, had a good mentality as a point guard, and you could they get the note of just sitting right in the car together, two and a half to three hours from one city to the other. He. Balance and approach. He, when he came in as a freshman, he had the ability to pass the ball and shoot. But he only got better with that as each one went on. And to be honest, he could have taken on more scoring for himself. Um, and he realized nights nice that he uh, there were plenty of game nights where he realized that hey, he needed to get the ball to like Danny Shaw if he had. My hand or Lakista or myself or to Ricky Daniels. He had he had an ability almost like a John Stockton type mentality. He recognized that it didn't need to be always shooting and making the shot. And he could certainly make those shots, but he had those ability to do those things to get, get the ball to the right people at the right time. And you can keep in mind this is when, you know, we're in a team still you know, adjusting like Joshua, like me, and like Mark Lewis, like so many others, this couple of years in the in the nineties that came in um, with all the restrictions. So he, yeah. he handled that well and, and just proved himself the a, a talented player. Did so many things for our team. And my last one is one of my. I, if I have a top five. NC State Wolfpack. We'll probably do that on another show. Top 10 Wolfpack players. Uh, this guy was so underrated to me, but he was a hustler. He was all over the court, uh, made big plays. Jeremy Hyde. What was it like with playing with Jeremy Hyde? Oh, dear. I, I loved her. I talked to him uh, that long ago, less than a year ago. Um, maybe it was a little over a year ago. Yeah, I, I always 
first time I met him, of course, at NC State, I always liked him and appreciated him. But the respect is only increased over years as um, you know, I've gotten to know him and a little bit more and, and seem to develop you know, his his family and all that. He he on the basketball court, excellent point you made. He could be the unsung hero. He he's a lot of athleticism in the court and the ability to play some good really good defense. And he'll be the kind of player that if he, a team could easily discount or not give him the just dues, and they could pay for it by the loss. He was yeah. that kind of player. Um, Danny Strong was one of those guys, too. And Danny, by the way, um, moved on to have a really good pro career in France. But, but um, going back to Jeremy Hyatt, I mean, things going forward, his athleticism, uh, long arms, his ability to to rebound at small forward, um, to handle the ball. Yeah, he couldn't he, do both. Couldn't, yeah, and to play defense, he had a yeah. ability to do all three of those things. I just remember how hawking he would he would hog somebody on defense so bad. Uh, but man, he every time you looked, he was making a big play, and just just I just like that hustle hustle rival play like that. Yeah, we have to talk about this and give give you your give you due here. We talked a little bit about what was it like after beating Carolina, number one Carolina at Reynolds. What was it like? I'm sure you know the fans rushed to court. What was that feeling like getting that win? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was definitely just one of those moments that you look back and of course winning the game is great, but I, I tell you what, just seeing our fans, yeah relish that in a place like Reynolds, it was like, wow, we need to do all we can to make this happen again. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just unbelievable when you see, I mean, I don't, if you see it on TV, but when you're in the middle of it and you see Wolf fans rush the court and you had a great win like that, it's just, it's, it's a real, it's a surreal moment. There's no doubt about it. And then, then you come back a few weeks later, beating Duke at Cameron. What was it like? What was it like playing at Cameron? Did he? Did, did you? Did you hear a lot of crap from the from the people at Cameron? This game ever. I remember as a freshman. I'll never forget it. Um, Shishet was coaching. Um, by the way, I think he beat Duke that year at Duke. I think he Coach K was off that year due yeah, to that back was- problem. But I was a freshman, and I got to play that game at Cameron Indoors the first year of my collegiate career. Played pretty well. I was kind of tickled. I was hitting some buckets, getting some rebounds. I don't think we won that game, but the fans, I don't, you know, you hear Cameron Indoor fans and the T. Browns, yes, they got everything they knew from, from Wolfpack fans at Reynolds. <laughs> but my first game there, hitting some buckets, and as I call, it wasn't doubt that Duke was going to win that game, but they took to me. They kept saying Johnny doesn't foul. Johnny doesn't foul. I'm like, where are they getting that from? <laughs> uh, about me as a, as a uh, I put air quotes up here in my office, lowly, lowly freshman. Where you know, certainly not my first year at NC State. I was not the guy who was going to hurt you or drop twenty something points a game week. 
<laughs> but they just took it upon themselves. I, I don't, one of our coaches, uh, uh, could, yeah, I think it was Eddie Beanbach, clearly he, in the arena, Cameron could see that here they were one. Johnny doesn't foul, I make a foul or something. I didn't really say anything to the refs that I recall, but Deanbach, I think it was Coach Deanbach or uh, Al Daniel, I can't remember which one of the two said something about, yeah, I think they just respect you and fear you because you're going to be back for three more years. Right, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, but it's interesting you asked that question because that was. Other place that we played from the first, the first time, from, straight away from the first time I ever played in the away game at that place, it was Cameron where the fans right into it and focused some of their energies and verbal chants at me. <laughs> yeah, they they seem to pick out some, one person. I can remember a lot of stories about uh, players in the past that you know, even sending a pizza delivery guy there one time with a bunch of pizzas for one of the players, uh, but. Yeah, I mean they they are crazy. They live up to the to their uh, moniker, but uh, yeah, just so and you know, you gotta respect. And I love as much as I I'm not a Duke fan at all. I cannot pull. And I'm sorry, can't do it. But I I love Duke basketball. I love the coach K is a great coach. I, I I don't agree with some of the things he has said in the in the past, but you know, great coach and and that's a great program they got there. But uh, just just the the whole the whole Cameron Cameron Indoor Stadium atmosphere I just think that's great I, I really think that's great about uh, for college basketball and it just shows you that yeah they can they pack that place but them kids really give that that place give that team a home court advantage and and I would love like I said I'd love to see that in state Carolina uh, don't worry so much about every game having to sell out the seats. Give the give the students a and let you have some kind of advantage with that student section. Well, I agree. You know, even if you're opposing team going in the Cameron door, it, it kind of, really it's similar to me. From a different, from the flip side, Reynolds, I never felt like I was never ready to play at my best, even though I may not have played my best that night at Cameron door. I always felt ready to play because the fans just. The fans and the atmosphere got me going. Didn't you and just kind of feed off that, though? I mean, did, that, you say you get ready. Didn't you yeah. kind of feed off that crowd intensity like that? Well, sure. And you know what? A lot of people, I don't know if you realize this, but I'm kind of into the history of, of a lot of things. Cameron Door, Reynolds Coliseum, basically were designed from, a, from an architectural standpoint, similar, you know, with, the lay of the arena, the seating, and the number of seats. There, there was a few differences, but very minor. They were both built around World War II, that era. The acoustics are terrible. So the, <laughs> the physical buildings are very similar, rentals in Canton Door. Yeah, I, I remember I've been, in, I've been in there one time, and that was not for a basketball game. My church group actually went to a Duke football game against uh, Miami, Florida. That was when they had Bernie Kosar, whatever year that was, 82, 83. And this was before, you know, Duke basketball really took off. But, you know, sitting in there in Cameron Indoor and, and looking back on it now, I was like, wow, you know, that was in that place before it became so famous. But uh, senior year, 
Now, this is when you really take a step up. You average 20.9 points a game, 9.9 rebounds. Lead the ACC in scoring. Now, being that you, that senior year, did you feel like you needed to take more of a leadership role on that team? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. As a senior, I, I knew that it, that I had to, to step up and take more leadership, not just from a production standpoint, but just from doing little things like practice, daily practice, you know, helping get the team ready, helping the lead through stretching. That's it's part of it. I just, I, I relish that. There was some concern and worry, but, you know, who, who's not going to have a little bit of that when you're on new leadership yeah. opportunities? Uh, it, it was a good a good opportunity for me just to continue to grow both athletically in my career and just leadership standpoint. Yeah, we, we talked about playing Alaska. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. What was it like playing in that tournament in Hawaii? That was a great experience, too, and I had a lot of memories raced through my mind when coming to Hawaii. Of course, not just from the climate. I remember we went to, to Honolulu. I've been there twice, and I really like uh, went several years later as a pro player to a camp, and it was in the summer. But I really liked it when I went to NC State to the um, tournament in Hawaii. I think it was called the Rainbow Classic. Yep, Rainbow um, Classic. You know, uh, in your year, junior year, you probably know better than senior I do, year, Stevie, when that senior was. Year. Senior year, okay. Yeah, I think Hawaii is a remarkable visit, especially in December. It's still plenty warm to, <laughs> to yeah. be out in the sun and swim and snorkel, but you don't have all the humidity. Anyway, but just so many memories, just kind of like Alaska. Um, Facing off against Marcus Kennedy, yeah, uh, and UMass, yeah, we, yeah, we were coming off. We hadn't. They were the first team that was not only good but really good, and we had a good start our year. I think we were seven and zero, and we didn't have any real uh, huge. UMass was our first challenge, um, but for me, that was a good opportunity too because I, I got to play against Marcus Kennedy. Um, that game, and then the next game played against Haley Twins. I think it was to play for Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a great opportunity. Um, I think we picked new assistant Paul Rundle, as I recall his name. Um, I think his name was Rundle. Just had a lot of wisdom from a basketball and from a life perspective to add to the Al Daniel and Eddie Beaton box. The other since and Coach Robinson, uh, Ed Conroy, the, the Conroy's, the other people we have on the coaching staff, to just the overall experience. There are just so many memories going to Guanama Bay during off time and snorkeling um, on the visit to Punch Bowl, seeing the USS Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor. Right. Just so many things that go on and off the court. It's just one of those things I feel just so fortunate to have experienced both sides of the, of the basketball and, the, and the, the, the non-basketball side of it. Yeah. And, and this is the year you guys had these, these close losses. I'm looking out now. Virginia by four. 
this is losses now. Virginia by four, Duke by one, Maryland by three in overtime, Georgia Tech by five. Uh, then the Virginia lost in overtime by two, Duke in overtime by three, lost to Maryland by two, Georgia Tech lost in overtime by nine, lost to Clemson by four, lost to Wake Forest by two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games by single digits. That and and eight of those yeah. games, eight of those games were by five or less. So you guys, you know, just that close to, and you would have been in the NCAA tournament. But talk about, you know, you beat and then you had some quality wins. You beat number eighteen Clemson at Little John by three, and then you go you get Carolina again at Reynolds, number eight Carolina. You get them by three. You you live, you know, like you said earlier. We got to do what it takes to make this happen again. You got it. Your senior year had to be a special feeling for your senior year. Your last game against Carolina to get the win, though. Yeah, there's just a lot of, of memories, and you know, I'll be honest. I think anybody who's been a competitive athlete will tell you they always look back like, "How could I have done this differently?" To really, and then go mistake. I believe things happen for a reason. I was blessed to have uh, just a great career to, to play to place like in state to go on play professionally. But it's easy to back and like, man, if we could have win, a, like you said, a few more games out of those nine, could we be subway turn? You know, for me, one memory to have. Of course, I had a lot of great matchups against Tim Duncan, but I'll never forget coming down with the flu, junior night. Home game, and I'm just as pumped wow. as ever for the home game against Wake Forest. But essentially, didn't play. I started to try to play, and I was being pumped with so many IVs that it uh, was getting kind of ridiculous. So they were, you know, they were trying, and I was going to try everything I could to get myself ready, but just blue wouldn't have it, and I ended up sitting out most of that game. But that's just, you know, that's just part of life, and you know, you can't, you know. I wish you don't want to remember it, but I look back and just remember the good times and the learning experiences. And there's far, far away that much that I've got to experience and do and, and, and all that, that so many people and other, other basketball players need to, to enjoy or to accomplish. Um, and so I, you know, I look back my senior year and, and just be just content and and, um, and, and um, thankful for what took place that year. Yeah. So you you get your first win in the ACC tournament against Florida State, then you end up losing number eighteen Georgia Tech. What was that feeling like? I mean, I'm sure you 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 thought you were going to play in the NBA, but what was that feeling like when you you played your last game in a state uniform? It was kind of surreal, kind of like the first moment. It's just hard to believe looking back at four years had really gone by that fast. And, but yet for me, I was fortunate to be in a spot where it was clear at that time late in my senior year that I was going to continue to have a future in the sport. So, although I was leaving a wonderful university behind, 
collegiate career, it was kind of like being freshman all over again from the mindset, well, basketball continues, but it's on to the next level. Yeah, then the NBA draft comes along. How, were there a lot of teams calling you that were showing interest in you? Yes, the way it works, I'm sure you've talked to Chucky Brown. Uh, he's a very experienced pro player. Other guys that have played the pros when they come out, it's kind of like, it may be like collegiate basketball is today. Everybody, if, you, if you've got talent and they potential, everybody's going to come after you or most teams are. And I was traveling all over after between said between March of my senior year and just June, literally those three months, I must have been in 15 different cities, uh, visiting different teams, working out, interviewing, and any one of those teams could have potentially have drafted me in 96. Yeah, and I mean, do you get you go with the first round, 11th pick. Uh, you know, one of the things you, you can say, you were picked before Kobe Bryant, before Steve Nash, before Pedro Stoyakovic, I mean, you got <laughs> you go to you end up going to Golden State. What was it like when you when you got drafted? I getting the getting the call. Another just unbelievable, surreal moment. That just being just that fortunate to be a part of that experience. It's something. I think any player, certainly, I look back at I was dreaming to be an NBA player probably at least the time I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years age. And here I am experiencing this dream with David Stearns calling my name up on the stage. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I played all through high school sport, played basketball, football, baseball, but that was as far as it went. I, much less playing college basketball, but to be caught up on stage at the NBA draft, I can't, I can't imagine the feeling. What, what was your, what was it like going to Golden State? Because you know you had some, they had had some, uh, some pretty good years. They were kind of, kind of on the downside of some good years. You know, you had some guys there. Chris Mullen, Latrell Sprewell was there. Uh, what was it like getting getting to Golden State? That's a great question. NC State, uh, NC State, I'm sorry, <laughs> Golden State, Stevie at the time, was definitely a team in transition. Tiny Cyclist, their, their center, and he was a very good player, no doubt about it. But it was that he just was not content uh, and the team itself had a lot of talent, Latrell Sprewell and Chris Mullen. And in the past, is certainly the winning ways, but there was, there was a lot of tradition. And anybody, it could have been somebody else, but anybody being drafted knew that that was the situation with Golden State. And so with me, when they, when they drafted a big guy, they were looking to hedge against the loss of any cycle. Of course, they didn't leave it and going to the Orlando Magic. But for me, it was just an opportunity to step in right away, really, and, and contribute, even though I was not a high... You know, there's something I always... I didn't learn this at the time. I didn't learn it until years later. Um, and something years later, I went to Bobby Jones, and I'm like, why didn't you push this more? 
and he learned it from being Smith, in that you don't you want to try to take every opportunity to develop as a player and as a person while you can before you become a real world. And I really could understand why years later. But that, what I mean is, Dean Smith will always say to his guys, they don't come really unless you know you're going to be a top five pick. Right. And Bobby Jones was a very humble guy. He never pushed that. He, he always, he, I, I, 10 years, 15 years later, I went back and said, why didn't you come up to me and say, look, you need to stay back as a junior in high school. You're young. I was 17 when I graduated from high school, which to me was kind of normal. I felt like I was ready to graduate, ready to get out of high school, going to college. But that, just that extra year would have put me at 18, most everybody else. Give me an extra year of development in high school, an extra year of development at college, and then an extra year there to come, come drafted in the day that change of events makes sense. And it made sense because, although, where am I going with this? When I came, came to the state, I was at 11. And anybody would kill to be a top, you know, first-round draft choice, no doubt about it. But you learn as an you know, athlete that... When you go to, when you, when you're, when you're kind of a little tier, no matter if you're 10 or 30th draft lineup, you might go to a team where the mechanics are not really, how do I say it, um, totally in your favor. Whereas if you go to a top, if you're drafting the top five, Steve, if you're drafting the top five in the NBA, you have to play. There's no politicking, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You have to play <laughs> at least for a year yeah, or two. Yeah. Um, that's the way it worked. Um, and so with me, I was a fairly mid high draft choice and the team was kind of on the edge of becoming a good team or becoming a bad team. So there was just a lot going on in Golden State. I remember Rick Adelman was the staff drafted me. Coach Adelman was a phenomenal coach. I really think that he just, he was, at that time, underappreciated, but he knew so much about the game. He had a great disposition. Um, I remember we were going to play the Utah Jazz in one particular game in Utah, and he sat me down before the game. He said, Todd, I'm going to start you tonight, and I'm going to start you at power forward. <laughs> and I, I wonder why. I didn't give him the wrong. Well, as any of your viewers may know, if you're starting at Power 4 and you're playing at the Utah Jazz, that means you're facing up against... The mailman. Paul Malone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I had one of the best games of my rookie year. I think I had, we lost to the Jazz. We did not win that game. But I remember I had one of the best games of my rookie I think it was around 17 points, 10 bounds, something like that. It was a, a decent double-double. But just his leadership, he sat me down and he, he, he predicted, he said, I, I, I see you this, this that for the Warriors, and I'm starting tonight at power forward, but he was honest with me. He said, I don't think I'm going to be here next year. He had he knew you see the writing wall. Um, and, of course, that that happened. Yeah. He was gone, and the next year we had the coach. So it's just, there's just so there's many things that the, you know, the average person watching the game just doesn't see. It, it's just all those big things kind of hinge on small affairs if you're drafted 11 versus top five if you're going to team where the coach that drafted you is not big the next year right things of that that sort 
the lay of the land can become dramatically different. And to be honest with you, I thought I would mature, new stuff, and, you know, I was 21 years old coming out of NC State, and, of course, I graduated and did something with that, but I really not handled that well. I will often tell people half-jokingly that I know what I do now. If they didn't know what I do 10 years ago, uh, coming out of NC State, I'd have been an all-star. But there's just so many little things. The, the, the pro game is is just wild, all the different things that go on that that is a it's it's amazing when you look at someone like Kobe Bryant um or Evan Garnett, just phenomenally talented basketball players. They come out they came out of high school and did what they did they were just so wildly talented. But they're also intelligent people. And you when you when you go through it and see, wow, the twenty one year I struggled, um, and there's so many things I would have done differently. Not that I didn't have a great experience and was so fortunate and blessed to be able to do what I did. When you see them doing it and doing it, what, three three years younger than even I did, it's just amazing yeah. when you see the accomplishments that players like that have had. So, another thing, you, you, spent, you spent some time with the Hornets. What was it like? coming back and playing in your hometown, playing for the Hornets? Another surreal experience because <laughs> one of my great scores going up as a kid in the NBA, I remember I think I was in the third grade or something, we had to write an autobiography of what our life was like when we were eight years old. I wrote about dreaming an NBA but I was playing for the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> that was back in 1983 or something or eight. Before I woke up and I still got the thing shelf somewhere. I was probably ten years old. Well, both of those things became true. Wow. And it's just amazing to look back at that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's pretty <laughs> awesome. There, hometown NBA team. So then, <laughs> yeah. then you then you spent some time overseas. How hard of a transition was it to to play in overseas? The the transition. To me, it was Spain. It, when you go through it, especially the first month, it's tough because the language barrier alone really was a doozy. But I clearly kind of relished it. I don't know if it was the left brain, right brain thing that had something to do with it. But I, I, my first meal sitting down in the Spanish, you know, restaurant in Spain, I had my Spanish English dictionary with me. Uh, struggling to learn basic words and <laughs> now you know 15 20 years later i look back and smile and spain really became like set home to me yeah and, and so what are you doing now what what is it that you do now i'm analyst full-time an operations research analyst for bank of america i've been that for four years okay so Bank of America. So, you, and, and I like we said before, we all I've been following your your uh, post on on the coronavirus. Uh, definitely, if you want to hear hear some good information on the on the, what he thinks is going to happen, what the trends are, check out his Facebook page, Todd Fuller on Facebook. 
Great. I, 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 I look for it all the time on that. Whenever I see it, I make sure I look at that. I, I've got a few a few quick-hitting questions, and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, toughest opponent you had to guard when you were playing at NC State? The toughest opponent at NC State? That you had to guard. Two, two names come to mind for two different reasons. I want to say Eric Montross. That was my first year of my freshman year, and he was just a big dude and, and strong. Um, and then, of course, Tim Duncan. Yeah. Because I, I played against Tim Duncan a lot more. <laughs> and, uh, toughest guy that guarded you. I mean, did, was it the same two? The best defender against me? Yeah, best defender. Oh, Tim Duncan. Okay. And I would say Rasheed Wallace would be up there, too. Easy to forget that he, just his long arms, yeah. um, he may present more challenging than his athletic, very long arms. All right. Yeah. I think I – let me ask you this before we get out of the NBA stuff. Do you ever get any trash talk? Do you ever have any good trash talk stories in the NBA? <laughs> um, you know, I I can't really think. I mean, it, it it you can always you know. There's a lot of fans that that talk about trash guys talking about this and talking about. You have to remember back when I played, a lot of this bantering that you see NBA players go through is that's through Twitter, social media. Yeah, and that just did exist when I was playing. So if you were talking junk, you know, was a, a teammate. <laughs> the trash talking that really existed really was teammates. That was the, the funniest. And the, I look back like when I played with the Hornets, um, practice right down the road near Fort Mill. We used to practice uh, in Fort Mill, South Carolina, at the facility, the Charlotte Knights baseball facility used to be. And Ricky Davis would, uh, I really like, he and I got along. But Ricky was kind of one of those guys in practice. He would yell out at me, like, call out the screen. And he would put a, several explicatives in there. <laughs> Can't repeat on the show. Yeah. And I was like, say back to Ricky, like, I did call the screen. You weren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that kind of smack talking. Coach Styles over there laughing and shaking his head on that. We don't mean to tear each other apart. It's just right. part of the friendly, competitive nature of practice. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know if Jordan Jordan ever trash talked to you like he did Matumbo with it, shooting with his eyes closed, shooting free throws with his eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last thing. Favorite memory at NC State. I think I know what this is going to be, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you prompted on that one. <laughs> Again, thanks for your help. I would say being Carolina number one rep. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, getting getting that win for you guys against a, a number one ranked Carolina team with what you guys were having to deal with that was that was pretty. You know, being a Carolina fan, I have to admit that was pretty awesome that that, that you guys got that win. Uh, yeah. All right. I won't take up any more of your time. I can't thank you enough. This has been probably one of the best interviews I've done. And I mean, I, you 
it's been great hearing all your memories at State and in the NBA. I thank you so much, Mr. Fuller. I really appreciate you taking time. I think we've talked for over an hour, and I could have talked to you all night. Sure, no problem. I had fun. I enjoyed it. Let me know when, when it posts, and uh, hope you get a lot of good viewers to enjoy the show. Well, I, I have some. I have some. A couple of state fans that are on Facebook right now that are asking me, "Are you talking to him now? Are you talking to him now?" So yeah, they were. They were. They were. And they're state alumni too. So they and they're telling me. One of them is one of my best friends. He went to state. And he said, uh, "All these state interviews, you're going to end up being a state fan before long." He said, "You need to leave the dark. You need to leave the dark side." I said, "No, no, that's okay." But uh, man, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to do this. I really appreciate it. Uh, I can't thank you enough. No problem, Stevie. I enjoyed it. All right, guys, that is Todd Fuller on the final score.